2: Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. So this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll welcome back our old friend Adam Inkst, Now just of tidbits, but you never know what he's going to be doing. And we'll talk about Apple's new stuff and lots of other stuff. A little bit later, Bob Levitis. On some occasions known as Dr. Mac, what will happen if Apple stopped making the Mac? What would he call himself? More to come on the Tech Night Out Live. So, Adam, this is a silly question. You know, we've all known Bob for, what, hundreds of years now. (laughs) At least the 1800s. Since the 1800s, probably the 1700s. And you got to think, man, you know, if there was no Mac, if Apple said, no more Macs, the iPad is now the personal computer. What does he call himself?
3: <laughs> I have to have to admit that's something which I have not in, indeed thought of. I just don't see Apple uh, dropping the Mac in, in any significant way. It's just not going to happen. So I can't answer what he's going to call himself because it's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, so at least not in his lifetime. No. Okay. No. I mean, Apple's Mac business is a Fortune 500 company in its own right. This is not pocket change. It's not going away. The Apple has been very, very clear about that, um, especially in the last you know six months or so, about how you know the Mac is a really, really big deal for them. And I mean, particularly with the iPad sales being low, uh, you know, and dropping over the last, the growth going away over the last year or so, we've even seen less of that. So I mean, Apple in fact has started to talk more about how they have to revitalize the iPad because um, the Mac's doing pretty well.
2: You wonder, though, why Apple has to be dragged into this. The Mac didn't do so well for a while because they weren't upgrading. Right. The iPad kind of languished because they really weren't coming out with significant upgrades.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating situation, I think, because this hardware does hold on pretty well. Especially now, I mean, the it used to be that you needed to upgrade your computer every couple of years because they got radically better, and you could do things that really were not possible before. Nowadays, for the most part, you know, a five-year-old, uh, seven-year-old computer really can meet all of all of people's general needs. It's not really that that significant of a problem, and so I think that's really where we're seeing the the upgrade issue being. Trickier, you know. You almost have to be forced to upgrade by something that's unexpected. Now, the iPhone has has that built in, but uh, but not not really anything else. Yeah. Well,
2: speaking of unexpected, so I don't know that I expected Apple to pretty much upgrade most of the Macs at WWDC, or even the <laughs>
3: amount of hardware news we had there. That was indeed shocking. I mean I, this is this I mean, we're used to this, right? This happens to us every time Apple does an announcement these days that that they just introduce more and more stuff. But that keynote lasted for two and a half hours, and apple, I mean, even the Apple executives who were doing the presenting seemed rushed. I mean, they they knew they couldn't get it done in time. and, you know, they were zooming through slides, they would put up a slide, it would be on screen for three seconds before they went to the next one. There were those of us we're, you know, cause we're trying to take notes, right? We need to cover the stuff. And we couldn't even take notes fast enough um, to keep up all of a lot of what they were saying. And they would put up these, the, you know, some of the slides that have, you know, 40 words on them kind of scattered around of all the new features and such and such. And again, it would be up for so little time, you couldn't even read it. Uh, by the time they switched to the next thing so it was an astonishing number of announcements and i'm actually a little surprised because they didn't need to announce the ipad pro stuff they didn't need to announce the the new iMacs and the new macbooks all at WWDC it's not developer specific they could have just focused on the operating systems and had a different announcement for all the hardware and i do think that i mean maybe it's just one of those things where they're busy enough that they don't didn't want to you know like cuz it takes time out of the executives lives to prepare for this doing keynotes is not tim cook and craig federighi's main job so um, you think yeah, yeah right they actually have they have stunt doubles who who play them at keynotes but the uh, but but seriously, you know, it's enough time out of their lives that I have that I almost wonder if they didn't just say, "Oh you know they could have done one big announcement, get it all over with as quickly as possible, you know rather than dragging it out and making it a little bit easier for everyone to understand.
2: It sure was a lot of stuff there, and a lot of it, you know, you'd normally expect something like a minor refresh for the macbook and the macbook pro to be a press release yeah now maybe there's more going on with the imac and then of course it leads into the imac pro so that's a different story but i guess apple was in the position where if anything we wonder about the few things left unsaid therefore mac mini where go the mac mini yeah
3: yeah i mean the mac i mean the macbook announcements were interesting because they were really pretty minor um, just some processor speed bumps. And they, I mean, admittedly, they didn't get a lot of attention, um, and really did just sort of get a press coverage. Um, but then the MacBook Air got speed bumped. They didn't even mention the fact that they released a new keyboard. There's a new magic keyboard with numeric keypad. So it's a wireless keyboard with a, with the num- number pad, which is great for a lot of people who need to enter numbers. It didn't even get mentioned, um, It was just showed up as a product on the in the store later later on in the day, so you know tons and tons of stuff, and yeah, and as you say, you know, don't mention the Mac Mini at all, Uh, which I find I do find it funny that they are willing to ignore it without actually killing it.
2: And they say they like it, or at least implied there was like a single sentence mentioning this during that reporter roundtable in early April. And that yeah. some pros like it, and you think, well, they're working on something.
3: It is. It is funny. I mean, there are. Yeah, it, what? What I almost wonder is, from Apple's perspective, you know, they don't have a monitor right now. There's no Thunderbolt display, and the Mini and the Mac Pro, for that matter, desperately need those. You know that that it's sort of weird for apple to sell something that you have to immediately go out and buy a product from another company to use. so i almost wonder if, you know, the mini for instance isn't isn't being held until they can come up with a with a 5k thunderbolt display, which there's at least been rumblings that they're going to do do that associated with the mac pro. all right, but then they have to
2: obviously beef up the graphics on the mac mini. we're talking about A less mini. And the reason I bring that up is, as you probably know, there's an HP Z2 mini, which is a small computer that's maybe an inch bigger than the Mac mini in all dimensions, and it weighs a couple of pounds more. probably has a beefier power supply. It can be equipped to be a mini workstation, mini. So I wondered here, maybe Apple is going to beef up the Mac mini, and allow it to still be a cheap computer in its basic form but maybe offer a few more options that require some rejiggering inside.
3: I I would be I wouldn't be at all surprised if if there was going to be a mini refresh if it was a fairly significant industrial redesign. That that particular redesign, that particular design if you think about it was built around the optical drive. Right? It was designed to hold basically something that was big enough to put a CD or a DVD into. They obviously took the optical drive out. Uh, in the last re- couple of revs, but uh, it, it retained roughly the same form factor. And so it's entirely possible once you take that out, that there are more interesting, There, take that constraint out, that there are more interesting things you could do in terms of shape and size that would lend themselves to better thermal dissipation or just something, you know, looks different acts different, um, you know, is, is more, more interesting in some form or fashion. Before we dissipate too much, we have Adam Inkst, I'm Gene
2: Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de slash gene. Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de slash gene.
4: Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, earth-friendly, pure soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5 That's F-I-V-E starsoapcom Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
5: This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you, too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX, or my website, danpilla.com.
6: Message and data rates may apply.
7: Hi, I'm Frank Thomas. When I was playing ball, they called me the
2: Big Hurt. But after I left the game, Mother Nature started putting a big hurt on me. I just couldn't stay in shape like I used to. Turns out, it wasn't my fault. Once you hit 40, your body has less free testosterone, and that can make it harder to get into shape. But luckily, I found out about Nugenics.
4: Nugenics is a unique man-boosting formula powered by testophen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help boost your free testosterone levels. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME66 to 321321. With Nugenics, you can feel stronger, leaner, with a lot more stamina and energy. And guys, she'll like the difference too. Nugenics is GNC's number one selling men's vitality product. Get a complimentary bottle now by texting PRIME66 to 321321. NuGenic samples are not available in stores, so again, text PRIME66 to 321321.
8: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.
2: By the way, I want to mention this here. I was talking to our friends over at GCN Network that bring you the Tech Night Out Live and our other show, The Paracast. These, of course, are weekend radio shows. And weekend radio shows on many networks, you know, it's an afterthought. But they're telling me the other day that we're among the most popular shows on GCN, the Tech Night Out Live and The Paracast. How about that? And one more thing, the best way to support this show, is for you to join Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com, That's plus.technightOwl.com. You, therefore, can be a subscriber. Pay a small amount every week or month or year or whatever. Get a commercial-free version of this show with better quality audio. So when Adam Inks is on, and he'll be on more often now that he's not doing Take Control books, I think, he'll sound even better. He won't respond to that.
3: I have no idea how I sound when I'm when the ads are in there. So, are you sampling me to to uh, to, to you know have me uh, supporting running shoes or something?
2: Well, you know, there's a lot of things we can do, and I haven't really figured out what they are yet. But there's so many things we can do with you and or against you, depending on your political point of view. But we're not going to discuss politics here because we already got that guy. All the politics are set by one person on this network. That's Alex Jones who is the number one act on the network. So he does all the politics and the conspiracies. We do a few conspiracy theories on the PowerCast, but we let him do everything else, whether you go along with that or not. Instead, we try to do technology stuff and get away from conspiracy theories. So we're back to the Mac Mini.
3: No conspiracy theories there. I suspect I suspect it's uh, purely technical slash business reasons. <laughs> so the thing is here that...
2: Apple has done things with the thermal adjustment for the thermal configuration to handle hotter stuff on the iMac Pro. I assume to some level, even though the Mac Mini is a tiny box, they can do a few things to allow it to handle more stuff inside.
3: Yeah, and I mean, the, that's the question. You know, that these chips run pretty hot. Uh, the processors, the the graphics units, and particularly if they're going to be running, being able to run a 5K display, which I would be very surprised if a Mac Mini couldn't, the next Mac Mini couldn't do, that, you know, it'll have Thunderbolt. It'll be able to ha- have, um, you know, the pow- hopefully powerful graphics chips. And so that's going to be a fair amount of heat. And that little slab design may not be the best Thermal dissipator of that heat, and so I, you could imagine like a little, a little mini tower, sort of like the new airport extremes. Where it's you know tall and thin rather than rather than than short and squat. So there's simply no no telling what Apple has up its sleeve. But it is interesting. They have said almost nothing about it. They may have to be figuring out what it, you know kind of what it does for them in the product line. But unless they've got a monitor for it, it feels like it's not much of a win for Apple. In other words, they make a small computer that they don't they sell that they sell cheaply and thus don't make a huge amount on. But they're not going to sell a monitor with it. It's not a big win for them. They'd rather sell you an iMac. You know, an all-in-one where they they make as much money as they can on it. So the
2: issue here is, is there an incentive to sell a Mac Mini? But this one sentence from Apple implied that people like it, even some pros like it. They like them even in data centers. There are places where they throw Mac Minis in what we call cabinets at data centers. Yeah,
3: I think that's that's more or less gone away. Um, what that, is it? That's that's a bit of an old old style thing. The simple fact is is that it just doesn't make sense to run run Macs as servers anymore. That even Apple has, uh, you know, Apple used to have the the Xserve uh, as as a server, and you know, and there were there were reasonable there were good reasons to use the Xserve as a server, and even after they got rid of this Xserve. We had uh, the Mac mini server, where you could get kind of a mini and a server configuration. But realistically, there's almost no reason to run a Mac as a server anymore. Apple has the, well, they call it Mac OS server product now, which is a 1999 add-on to uh, Sierra. And what that is basically good for is small offices that want to do some management of Macs and iOS devices. That's really what it's good for. It does other stuff, but all the other stuff is just legacy stuff that they haven't taken away yet. No one really uses it in a big way. And the, the problem is, is that it's just so many of these other services are just better done in other ways.
2: By From the way, virtual. I was looking up here. There is still a few companies out there yeah, that Mac will Apple. offer dedicated Mac mini hosting. <laughs>
3: Right. But the problem is, is that you shouldn't be hosting stuff on a Mac. It's not a good way to do things. What
2: they do. Let me tell you what they do. They're not obviously running Mac server. They run a hypervisor on it so you can run Linux. That's how it works. You run Linux and then in Linux, and they even got one. They even got them at the Phoenix, Arizona data center over here. That's where our server is, but we're using a big you know, Linux server. You put Linux on it using a hypervisor, and then you can either just upload your stuff or get a control panel like a Plesk or a cPanel <laughs> and run regular sites. I tested it. I, one of the companies that sets up Mac minis for hosting said, you know, give it a try. And I tried it, and it ran pretty well. Almost as well as the Linux server, the only concern I had, of course, was I'm running this thing 24-7. We have two radio shows drawing probably 20 or 30 terabytes of bandwidth a month. I didn't think a little Mac mini could handle that. But, you know, back rooms and offices, they still use them.
3: Yeah. But again, not necessarily a great usage of them. I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying it's not usually a good approach. So, for instance, we're doing everything on on virtual on virtual servers, where you don't have dedicated hardware because dedicated hardware can break. That it's a much better approach to have, uh, you know, basically this pool of hardware resources that is made available to you uh, as you know, in a chunk. And then if a drive in that pool goes south, which they do all the time, you don't notice a thing. You know, if if processors die, you don't notice a thing. And that makes just so much more sense for how this works. I mean, I've run servers, you know, for <laughs> I've run servers on Macs since it was possible. You know, from the very, very beginning. And I can can't tell you how happy I am to not be doing that anymore. Because it's just Macs are not built and it's nothing against Macs, they're just not built to be servers. And honestly, I wouldn't run on dedicated server hardware either, because you're always going to be have points of failure at that point it's so much smarter to run things virtualized so that you don't have a single drive that can take you down completely you're talking, you you're, you're talking
2: of course of a cloud let's do a break got more to come with adam inkst i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live
9: thank you for listening to gcn
11: you may be at the top of their hit list. So don't take your tax debt lightly because it will not go away on its own. The IRS can seize your bank accounts, your home, and even shut down your business. Call our tax experts today at 1-800-765-9681 and let us deal with the IRS while you focus on your business. That's 1-800-765-9681. Again, that's eight hundred seven six five nine six eight one. 800 765 9681
15: Live with Gene Steinberg It's the Tech Night Owl Because you never know what's going to happen next
2: Now, maybe we're getting kind of Deep and dirty when we talk about web servers and everything. But what Adam is talking about here, and we have a dedicated server because the host we work with doesn't offer a cloud based solution. But what this means is we have one computer running our sites. Anything that goes wrong with that one computer, there's a potential for trouble. So we have multiple backups. But a cloud based solution means that it's like abstracting your server, it's on multiple computers. So there's no single point of failure. And I don't know that you pay more or less for it. I guess it depends on the deal you get. You do pay less. That's funny. When I try to do that and say, hey, I'm going to pay less if I do it that way. And then I add it up and it's not less. Mm -hmm. But maybe it depends on which
3: company I deal with. Part of the issue with the dedicated server is that usually what happens is you can buy your own hardware, obviously. And so you have a a one-time upfront cost. But you also then have to take into account how much it's going to cost to have all the necessary backups. So, for instance, you have to have live backup of your drives so that all your data, if one drive goes down you know, all your data is still being available from the next one. You've got to have systems for being able to swap that over instantly so that you don't have to be down for some amount of time until you go and swap a drive. And then, I mean, what we ran into was that back when we were last using an XSERV to run tidbit stuff on, we were starting to have some flaky problems that we couldn't trace to a drive. And we realized the only rational solution to that was to have a backup XSERV. But as soon as we had a backup server, we bought a new one. Well, that didn't make sense to use it as the backup. It made sense to use it as the primary and keep the other one as the backup. But we didn't trust that one as a backup because sometimes it didn't work. It just ended up being one of those one of those situations where you could just keep throwing money at hardware over and over again to be able to get that kind of a scenario. I mean, if you look at pretty much any modern startup, you know, all of the Silicon Valley groups, they use Amazon Web Services, they use Google services, they use Windows Azure, that kind of stuff, where they're basically building all of their infrastructure in the cloud for someone else to take care of at a much higher level. I don't think anything's changed here, but Dropbox runs on Amazon Web Services. Dropbox isn't isn't running their own data centers. This is great for them because Amazon just takes care of it all. Amazon builds vast, Huge data centers where they're expecting lots of things to go wrong all the time, and the whole system is designed around that failure for no one to even notice that, it, that drives have died, computers have died, whatnot. It's all just this big pool that you can extract resources from.
2: All right, let me ask you. Where do you host your sites? Uh,
3: The Tidbit site, and before we gave it to Joe, um, for Take Control, is hosted at Linode. At Linode, basically, when you get a virtual private server, it looks and acts like your own box. So you can log in at the command line and use it just as though it's your own computer. For our Tidbits content network service, and what we're probably going to be moving Tidbits to at some point in the future, we're using a service called Wired Tree. They're a bit more of a managed service system, so we use cPanel and um, and we have our own virtual server again, but it doesn't look and act like its own box. It's much more as said, it's the cPanel stuff, so you aren't uh, interacting with it as though it's you've got access to the iron. It's just one of those things where and I like Linode a lot, um, but WiredTree, what I really like about them is that is at Linode, they expect you to be a Unix and admin and to do all the work yourself, and they'll certainly help you if there's something sort of at the next level up. You know, you're having a denial of service attack, or there's some networking problem with their hypervisor, whatever. But at WiredTree, the support has been phenomenal, where I've said, I want to do this. And they say, here's how you do it, but we'll just do it for you, because then it'll be done right. I was looking oh, at the you.
2: plans here for Linode, and I'm not seeing any plan here that would make sense for us, because it's much more expensive. Let me just give you a sample. Let me go to Namecheap, okay? And Namecheap is one of our partners, and we do have a dedicated server with Namecheap. So something similar to what we have would probably run about $260 a month, plus cPanel and a few things, $300 a month. And for that, you get 32 gigs, a 12-core Xeon E5 processor, two... One terabyte drives in a RAID configuration, 100 terabytes of bandwidth for about 300 a month. That includes basic support plus cPanel. I cannot find anything in Linode that comes close to that price.
3: The question I would have with that, and this is something which I I find f- tremendously interesting when it gets very technical, is that that sounds like a lot more RAM and processor than is needed for most websites. For something like what you do, you need a vast amount of bandwidth because you're transferring audio. We don't need a vast amount of bandwidth because we're transferring text. Um, but what we've found is pretty much every time you know, every time we look, actually, I've gone down in the number of in the configuration levels I have, and we're we're nowhere near that for the tidbit site at this point. And we had to have a higher. At one point, we thought we had to have more because uh, the take control site is much more processor and, and database intensive. And I actually haven't. I can probably even drop the tidbit site further now that they've been split off. But it's it's one of those things where. It's easy to over spec uh, internet servers and um, and especially when you're you know you're they're not actually doing that much processing at this point you know if it's mostly a static site that uh, that it is just uh, pop you know pushing data out that's not a processor intensive or memory intensive task now if you're doing a ton of database Work in MySQL, then that's a different situation, and that gets different. But I mean, we're we're doing. Um, I think the plan that I have at WordPress for our our Tibbits Content Network server, WordPress at Wired Tree, um, which is running a WordPress site, is I think fifty bucks a month, and it seems to be holding up just fine. It's not meant to be high volume or anything like that, but it's certainly you know more than more than sufficient for what we're doing at the moment, and I. Think for tidbits, we'd probably only be doubling that.
2: Now I went also to GoDaddy, which really doesn't have good plans for virtual private servers or dedicated. And the same thing again. If you want a plan that really would suit what we do, because we need a lot of storage, suddenly the price is no better. We so tried one-in-one, one, which has cloud servers. And they're infinitely configurable. And as soon as you start configuring it in the way we want, because we're using databases, we're using, you know, a number of WordPress sites. We have, I think, six or eight WordPress configurations. We have three forums with an app called Zenforo. And we've got tens of terabytes of bandwidth kicking out per month. And when all those things are running, you know, it can cause the server as it is to start loading up quite a bit especially during sunday morning when the power cast is that server as it is with all the capacity we have is really really running a high load
3: yeah i i mean as that i i don't know what your servers are doing exactly but uh one of the things that we've discovered is is that there's often often interesting ways of tweaking those sorts of situations. Um, the other thing to keep in mind with a with the virtual private servers is that you aren't limited. So, for instance, um, you know, with with um, with the Linode stuff, they're giving you you know a certain number of CPU cores or whatnot, um, but it's virtual, and you can actually spike beyond that for Those very heavy times, if you're not doing it all of the time, so any event, I'm not saying you need to switch. I'm just saying that it's one of those one of those situations where it's often people assume they need a lot more power than they do, and I find that you know when getting back to the max side, I find that having being limited to a physical box is just too many points of failure. There's too many things that can go wrong, and you have to have too many backups and too much hands on the box. More to come on the Tech night Owl Live.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
2: Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's
9: My husband says, you are what you eat. Not true, dear. I did my research. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So I didn't feel the vitamins and supplements I was taking were effective. I didn't feel any different. Then I switched to ProtoVite, a liquid multivitamin, mineral, and phytonutrient complex. And wow, you've got to see the video at truehealthfacts.com. That's truehealthfacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protivite is nutrition you can feel. Protivite is nutrition that gets
4: in.
15: know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
2: so the key again is that with a single dedicated server all its values you could look at the configurations what if something fails now i expect a lot of these blade servers they've got double power supplies or something so if something goes wrong they can have you up and running pretty quickly the key of course would be the drives if the drives fail you better have a quick backup but even then you're in a situation where you may be offline for a while while they swap your drive and restore your backup So we understand that. The problem, of course, is once again, when I try to find the cost effectiveness of it, and of course, we've got some kind of marketing arrangements that help, the cloud system costs more. I don't understand that, but we'll deal with that another time. There may or may not be another Mac Mini. Who knows? I want to look at the iMac Pro because that's brought in some interesting discussions because Apple has never announced before, at least not recently. I mean, back in the old days, we forget what it costs for a Macintosh 2. Okay, we forget that. Okay, but in modern times, 2017, Apple says we got this new computer, the iMac Pro. The starting price will be $49.99. And people say, Ha! They're going crazy until they start configuring a Windows box with similar components. Now, we don't know exactly what processors Apple's going to use. They might not even be out yet. There might be a fall release, whatever the next Xeon generation is, the AMD Radeon Pro Vega. I think they're just starting to ship this summer. So, we don't know the pricing for all that. So, we can only guess based on current parts. Apple claimed that a comparable PC would be 7,000. Other people went to work and said, you know, I can do it for five. But it's not all in one. It's a separate. It's a mini tower plus a separate 5K display. So Apple's in the ballpark. They're not overcharging people.
3: Yeah. Again, until we actually see all of what you get, because it is, I mean, Apple gave some details, but not all of them, that it will be a little bit hard to price out the exact similar things. I'm not too perturbed about that, honestly. That it feels to me like the people who are going to be really needing an iMac Pro are not price sensitive. Obviously, they're not throwing money away, but as long as Apple's in the ballpark, they are going to be able to justify $5,000, $6,000, $7,000, because these are the sort of people who look at it and say, I need a two terabyte SSD. I realize that's going to be an extra $1,000 or $1,500 or $2,000, whatever it is. I don't care. I need that kind of space. I need it that speed. If that's true of that particular application, they're not going to even blink at paying it. Now, I think Apple is aware that, because they're in essence coming back into this workstation class market, they have to be competitive because people have already gotten used to not using macs. that you know the people who really have needed that this kind of performance have already left the Mac fold um, a while ago and and they will happily come back if. The software is there, and the and the processing power is there. These people follow processing power, and so as long as Apple is is you know is providing something that has that meets those needs, you know these, those folks will come back the next time they're buying a new computer. Well, the whole
2: thing is very interesting to me. What's going on here? Apple seeded the workstation market for a while. The thing I still can't understand here and. We've talked about it amongst our guests. Apple releases this new Mac Pro in 2013. They had to realize in a year or two, this is going nowhere, folks. This yeah. is not the direction. We did something wrong here. It can't meet the firmware requirements of the hardware configurations that we want to put into it. We don't give people the kind of upgrade options they expect. Did they even talk to professional users before saying this is what you want because it was obviously so different
3: it is interesting uh, you know obviously one never knows but i have not heard from anyone in years who has said that apple has consulted them about some product ahead of time yeah, they sort of they sort of trot some people out at keynotes. You know, like, oh, look you know, look what we can do on this new machine or look what we can do with this new new technology in the operating system. So, you know, they, they're they're giving some people a, a little bit of a heads up in some cases, but I don't get I just don't get the feeling that they're doing market research. I, I You know, again, I don't know, but it's it used to used to hear about it happening, used to hear about people saying, oh, yeah, you know, I would, you know, Apple came and talked to this particular group to find out what we as, you know, video professionals wanted or that sort of thing. And um, I just don't get that impression it's happening anymore that, um, you know, maybe they feel like they have the information in some other way, but I don't know, it doesn't doesn't have the same feel.
2: Well, I think Apple certainly learned a, a lot here in what's been going on. And obviously, the iMac Pro is a fascinating alternative when you consider the history of the iMac. Remember, the iMac was launched, what, 19 years ago, 1998. The Bondi Blue iMac was basically a PowerBook with a little CRT screen. Really, the parts were notebook. Very modest, twelve hundred ninety-nine dollars, by the way. And did anyone even think when the iMac came out, oh, this cute little thing—it's a gumdrop shape—it would eventually be marketed as a professional workstation that would, when fully
3: configured, they're talking about fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars. Well, and no one would have thought that back then because that was the time of the four-product matrix, where you had the desktop and portable and, you know, lines and one side of the matrix and consumer and professional and the other two. And so the iMac was the desktop for the consumer, whereas the Power Mac was the desktop for the professional. And similarly, we had the iBook for consumer laptop and, um, and the PowerBook for portable professional. And so, I think what's happened was, is that Apple sort of got out of, they lost track of that, uh, that matrix. And they were able, over time, to just start increasing the you know the power of the iMac, and they brought the Mac Mini in at some point as, you know, again, sort of confusing that matrix. I mean, the, the matrix, there was nothing special about the matrix, but it was very understandable. And... Apple has has had trouble maintaining the clarity of the product line since they've gotten away from that. And they could come up with a new one, but they haven't done that. And that's why we have, you know, three MacBooks, which are nearly impossible to decide between. Because you've got the MacBook, the MacBook Air, and the MacBook Pro, and they mix and match in all sorts of different spec ways. And similarly, the you know for quite a while the Mac Mini and and the iMac were a little confusing. It was like which one would you get? You know, at least you always knew that you got a Power Mac or a Mac Pro. Uh, later on, the name changed. If you want, if you were a serious professional, and as those categories have become fuzzier and the computers have just gotten more powerful that it's been harder and harder i mean i remember i had power Macs and then mac pros up to um getting was it 2015 when the new when the imac 27 inch imac first came out with the retina display it was 2014
2: late 2014
3: so the very first 27 inch imac with retina display was obviously the next computer that I needed. My my previous Mac Pro was was uh, was was long in the tooth and having some issues, and that was the first time I had gotten a non-professional Mac in many many years, because, the Mac did everything. It had all the processing power I needed. It could connect a second monitor. Um, you know, I didn't need. You know, I could do external storage for the, you know, and placing the drive bays. You know, that, that was the first time that they had really fuzzed out the difference so completely for me as a professional. Now, I'm not a serious professional in the sense of needing, you know, the absolute fastest processing power or, you know, terabytes and terabytes of data. Of, of drive space or anything like that so there are certainly people who are still or, or expansion cards for goodness sakes you know i mean that's the people who have real really real serious needs we're going to talk about confusing. we're going to go into more detail about his switch over
2: from mac pro to imac i made the same switch a few years earlier adam Inkst of tidbits i'm gene steinberg you're in the tech night out live mm-hmm.
16: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
19: Do you know what's lurking in your water? More than 200 contaminants could be sitting there, just waiting for your glass.
20: With a ProPure water filter, start enjoying clean and great-tasting water today. ProPure filters, independently tested, latest water filter technology. ProPure systems do not require electricity and are easy to set up and easy to use. To find out more, visit your authorized ProPure dealer or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com.
12: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never
1: know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: So, I guess we're discussing here the path of the iMac to a mainstream and now a professional workstation, depending on which version you get. You can get an affordable version for mainstream work for anybody's needs, or you can get something that's going to cost you as much as a Hyundai Elantra. (laughs) Let me check the prices on the Hyundai Elantra to make sure that the (laughs) iMac Pro with the 18 cores isn't more expensive.
3: I mean, the 18 cores is going to be pricey. I think the real trick is is when you add 128 gig of RAM and, you know, the four terabyte SSD, those are the two things which are going to pump it up by thousands and thousands of dollars.
2: I assume the way it's going to work is a pair of two terabyte SSDs. So I'm going to build in price a Hyundai Elantra as we're talking right now. The Hyundai (laughs) Elantra, the basic price of a 2017 Hyundai Elantra, which is a compact car. Starting MSRP is seventeen thousand one hundred fifty dollars. So if we take an iMac Pro with the eighteen-core Xeon, which is like I don't know about three or four thousand-dollar part, four terabytes of solid-state storage, the higher-end AMD Radeon Pro Vega graphics chip, hundred twenty-eight gigabytes of ECC
3: error-correcting RAM, mm-hmm. seventeen thousand. You think? I'm going to say not. Qu- I'm going to say not quite. I'm going to guess more like thir- twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Well, you know, you can take a regular iMac,
2: the regular twenty-seven inch iMac, the normal one, mm-hmm. and option it up to forty-five hundred to five thousand dollars.
3: Yeah. know There's no question. And I mean, part of the. I mean, actually, one of the things that Apple will will get into, and I'm sure that people will quibble about, is that. Even when Apple's, you know, base prices are competitive, things like 128 gig of RAM or four terabytes of SSD storage, Apple tends to be expensive for those add-ons. So people will often say, well, yes, but I could get the RAM at half the cost. if I Yeah,
2: it but you know something, if you go to a Dell, it'll be a problem that won't be dissimilar.
3: Well, okay, I don't have a feel for for if that's true of the other, you know, box manufacturers. So, and it depends, I mean, you know, we you know again depends what you're trying to do you know if you're buying a one of these you know because you're you're a, a solo shop that does you know vr production or something like that then you know you might be willing to spend the time to fuss but if you're outfitting a lab of them in a you know a chemistry compute center or something then you're going to go to Dell or to Apple and just say give me 15 of these because that's what you need for, you know, all of the people in the lab. And you're not going to try to kill yourself in terms of the individual parts because you'll also probably be be negotiating some kind of volume purchase discount at that point.
2: No, I understand that. So Apple may or may not be high price. I can't tell. Remember also, if you're talking about a workstation class computer, everything is going to be top spec stuff. Yeah. And the thing I would wonder about here, though, for $5,000, will the iMac Pro be a wee bit more upgradable than a regular iMac?
3: I haven't gotten that impression from what they've said so far. So the problem with the iMac is that there's not much you can do with it. 27-inch iMac, you can upgrade the RAM. That's about it. And if you look at what Apple did with um, the Mac Pros, they basically said, oh yeah, you don't have any connect, you know, you don't have any internal expansion, but you don't need it because of Thunderbolt. That was obviously a mistake with Thunderbolt 2 in a lot of ways, but Thunderbolt 3 has enough more bandwidth, you know, whatever it is, 40 gigabits per second or something, that you can do some pretty interesting stuff via Thunderbolt. So it's not so much that you'll be able to expand the iMac, but you would might be attaching more stuff via Thunderbolt 3.
2: Well, I think Apple realized that there's a portion of users out there who not only want maximum power and storage, but they want to be able to change the stuff inside. They want to swap out the processor. They want to swap out the SSD or add extra SSDs. They want to take care of the RAM. They want to add an expansion card, but it has to be done inside. But that leads me to another point here. Apple found a way with its thermal expertise to make an iMac Pro, which externally looks the same as a regular 27-inch iMac. Inside, obviously, it's different. Can they take this expertise to stick a workstation to a very small space and make a regular Mac Pro, allow for its expansion and have something that really is half the size and weight of the cheese grater Mac Pro?
3: That's a good question. And I do think that it's likely that the distinction between the iMac Pro and the Mac Pro, once the Mac Pro ships in 2018 sometime, it will be expandability. Because that is the thing which you just you can't open those iMacs up. I mean, yes, it's possible, but it's not it's not even conceivable by some by non by non experts. I mean, I've opened a lot of things before, and I wouldn't I wouldn't touch an iMac. Uh, that's just it's just too much glass. Too you need too many specialized tools, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
2: So basically, and, here we're talking about the Mac Pro being a headless iMac with expandability
3: possibly one way to look at it. I mean I, not, I mean these all things these things are all the same inside basically. So yeah, I mean they probably would have the same kind of you know be using the same kind of Xeon processors or whatever is current in twenty eighteen. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a computer that will you know will have all the same basic capabilities as the iMac Pro possibly beefed up and but it does feel to me like the big win is going to be making it expandable or um, a modular in some way. So, you know, that's where we you know, that's where people got hurt is you know, you buy the the fastest processor in 2018 and a year and a half later there's something which is radically faster yet and you don't want to throw away all of the surrounding parts. So, you know, maybe if maybe they can make it sufficiently modular, you can actually just swap out the processor, you can swap out the GPU, the, you know, a new Radeon card, um, you can, you know, maybe go to more memory, that kind of thing. So, the more flexible and open they can make that new Mac Pro, I think the more popular it will be with the people who for whom the iMac Pro is good but just too limiting. Yeah, they might like the processing power of the iMac Pro, but they might just sit, they might say, yeah, I, I, but I, I have to have these cards, these internal cards, or I have to have this this amount of uh, this amount of storage, or I have to be driving, you know, these other kind of specialized displays. That kind of that kind of situation where you just need custom hardware that is not going to be handleable in a stock case. I imagine
2: here what's going to happen is you're going to see this small box, very shapely from Apple, and they're going to say, this is what it's going to have, and then they'll show you how easy it
3: is to put new parts in. Could be. Every professional will applaud. What, what the, the interesting thing that I don't have a feel for is, like, what is the story with cards these days, in terms of expansion cards? It's been so long since I've had a Mac Pro, and where, you know, PCI cards and, and the like were, were a big deal, that I just don't know how important that is anymore. But it's, you know, maybe it's something that Apple does via a Thunderbolt attached expansion chassis, you know, where, or maybe it's all built into one where you still have to be pretty big because you got to have room for those cards and you got to have room for them to have connectors out the back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: I'm expecting, like I said, well, I suppose we'll find out next year. I'm also expecting, since we're predicting here, that Apple is not going to give us a 5K display next year it'll be 8k at least and there are (laughs) obvious reasons why we need 8k number one is professional movie production is using 8k cameras they'll probably need 10k because they (laughs) are going to have to have room for the menu bars and everything right a special version of final cut pro 10 with 8k support (laughs) Am's going to talk about that in our next segment but first i did check dell's site looking at their workstations and other products and check the upgrade prices for more RAM, solid-state storage, etc. You know what? It's very much in the range of what Apple charges. Adam Inks and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. (laughs) Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkesoft.de Let me spell that. www.lemkesoft.de
20: Slash Gene.
6: Message and data rates may apply.
20: Warning Texting while driving is illegal just about everywhere. So if you want 2020 vision and you're driving, pull over when you can. Because a life-changing offer is just one text away. The LASIK Vision Institute is now offering absolutely free evaluations and dramatically low prices on high-quality LASIK. Text the word CLEAR88 to 350350 to get the latest FDA-approved LASIK technology for a fraction of what others charge. Text to schedule your free appointment to see if LASIK is right for you. Results may vary. Don't miss out. When you text CLEAR88 to 350350, you'll also get an extra 20% discount off our already Already low-cost services. We've already performed over a million procedures. Today, it's your turn. Discover how you can get the quality LASIK experience you've always wanted for a fraction of what others charge. This great offer is just one text away. Text CLEAR88 to 350350. That's C-L-E-A-R-88 to 350350.
1: We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at Tech Night Owl.com. That's news at Tech Night Owl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at Tech slash radio. That's Tech Night Owl.com slash
2: radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. So, Adam Inks, the next Apple Thunderbolt display,
3: 8 or 10K, what say you? <laughs> you know, I have to say I will settle for 5K. I don't have a feel for what the hardware is like at 8K or 10K at this point. I suspect it is usuriously expensive. And so maybe the sort of thing which is, is still limited to the kind of movie professionals who are working in that, kind of, in that field. Dell, um, I think, has one coming out soon. Yeah, for how much money? Oh, about five thousand, something like that. Mm, yeah,
2: that's right, Not cheap. Well, and, Apple might then produce two models: five K
3: and eight K, or ten K. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I don't have, gonna, I just don't have a feel for how what the market is for for those yet, or if that's something where Apple sees that as as useful. The problem is, is that the entire point of the Retina marketing term and it is a marketing term is that you cannot see individual pixels at a normal usage distance so a 5k retina display means the average person's eye cannot pick out a pixel um, when holding it at arm's length and obviously that's different for iPhones and iPads because you hold them at different lengths um, but still the that retina concept I'm not sure there is much of a win of going beyond that for consumer-level stuff. I don't have a feel for it. This is, of course, the thing is here we're
2: talking about professional display that's going to handle 8K content. The key is the content that professional movie editors are shooting in 8K right now. That's the point. Just like you can take a 5K retina display and edit 4K movies and have space at the natural resolution for the menu bars and such. So that would say... 10K. Now doesn't it wouldn't feel, be a 27 feel, inch. Therefore, it might be. Well, the Dell is a 32 inch.
3: Doesn't doesn't feel to me like a thing to, for Apple to do. Um, just based on, they haven't been doing well at releasing hardware for professional level users in general, much less one particular demographic of professional users. But I could be wrong. You know, I mean, I'd be surprised, but I would much more expect a 5K. Thunderbolt display then, then an 8K or a 10K one just from the standpoint, unless, you know, unless Apple is somehow able to source the parts so you know, the, the difference in price is not that significant to them, but they can sell it for a lot more because it's clearly, you know, obviously better because it's 8 or 10 versus 5, even in, though you know, even if normal people won't be able to see the difference in any, in any way, shape, or form.
2: Now, the key here with the 5K is that when Apple came out with a 5K Retina iMac, its starting price was twenty four ninety nine. Now you get one for seventeen ninety nine. At that starting price, that was what you'd pay for a five K display, the few there were out there. Yes. And Apple gave you that
3: with a computer. Yeah, you got a computer for free with your monitor, basically.
2: And now it's seventeen ninety nine. And a normal five K display is what, a thousand twelve hundred
3: dollars? Yeah, that LG display is not cheap. And five K displays are also just there's not that many of them out there. They're, it's not. This is not commonplace yet. Uh, part of the problem with with 5K displays is is having enough bandwidth to drive it it as an external monitor, and that that's been one of the big deals with Thunderbolt is being able to you know Thunderbolt and Thunderbolt three being able to drive a whole another 5K display. As one thing, I mean, in some of the early 5K displays, and that's probably done with some of them still, is they actually split it into two monitors where you actually had to have two plugs, one each driving half of the monitor, which is a total hack. The iMac
2: Pro will drive two of those external 5K displays, plus the internal 5K display. The MacBook Pro will drive two external 5K displays. And I'm looking here, the Dell 5K display is $1299 before the discount... And I guess the pride that discount is over now. The LG is twelve ninety nine, which is competitive. It may not be the greatest display, so twelve ninety nine is what you pay for yeah. a five K display right now. And but when Apple came out with the first five K Retina iMac, it was twice that price. So just think now: twelve ninety nine for five K display. Add five hundred dollars, you get the
3: basic iMac with a computer inside. So Apple's too expensive. I will say that twelve ninety nine still feels pretty expensive for a for a screen, to my mind. You know, as someone who has always bought second screens for my computers, or like when I had the Mac, the Mac Power Macs and Mac Pros um, for a while, I had a pair of Dell twenty four inchers because the equivalent Apple monitor was radically more expensive. I think it was five hundred for the Dells and a thousand for the for the th- Apple Cinema displays. You know, that's one of those situations where. Yeah, I mean, it's twelve ninety nine from Apple from Dell and LG, but if Apple was doing it, it would probably be it would probably would be seventeen hundred or two thousand dollars.
2: You know what? I don't think anymore. And, and the reason I don't think anymore is because right now this is what Apple's charging for a display. Look at the twenty seven inch iMac with five yeah. K. No, they, right. they they They're not gonna to
3: sell a computer can't charge a They're not gonna sell just for, the display alone without the computer yeah. for the same price. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true but yeah but I that's the question is will even if apple builds it do they try to do that or do they take advantage of their economies of scale and say we're going to undercut everybody because they do that too sometimes
2: it'll be 999 right permanently $9. for the rest of your yeah. life until you know you got right. 8k displays for 999
3: precisely yeah it'll be, precisely apple will pick a price it will be super cheap to start but it will then get to be really expensive by the end of its lifespan <laughs>
2: What we didn't get to discuss, we have to go in a second here, is the fact that the iPad Pro now performs close to the MacBook Pro with its teeny tiny Mm -hmm. A10X Fusion chip. Who could have thunk it? And that chip costs, what, about $30 to make, according to the parts breakdown? So Apple's building processors here that are close to what fairly decently powerful Intel quad-core processors can do. Imagine that.
3: I'm still waiting. Maybe the next Mac mini uses the the A10 or A11 chip or something like that, too. Apple has said they're not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm still not certain about that.
2: (laughs) I'll tell you, Intel must be really, really right now worried because they know Apple could do it. They could do it at FARC. They know that inside Apple's test labs right now, there are MacBook Pros and Mac Pros running future generations of the A-Series chips. Yes. at I think Siri is jealous. It brought me up something about the TV show Chips. From the 1970s, with Michael Dorn was in it. Michael Dorn, by the way, played Worf on Star yeah, Trek Next Generation. Eric's I didn't know he was on, it, on that maybe? show. Adam Linx, please tell our listeners where we can find <laughs> more of your stuff.
3: Oh, uh, well, everyone can go to tidbits.com to see what we're writing about on the on an everyday basis and Apple consultants and resellers and other professionals should check out the Tidbits Content Network at tcn.tidbits.com. That's where we provide content for people who need to publish stuff, but don't want to write it themselves. Adam Inks, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for having me, Gene.
9: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Being self-reliant is about being prepared and to do what you need to have your own source of renewable energy. Portable Solar LLC offers the most powerful EMP-hardened solar system on the market that is transportable from place to place, and the best part, it's very affordable. Contact them at PortableSolarLLC.com or call for details at 972-575-8875. Arc EMP-hardened solar generator, energy insurance for your family or business. Call Portable Solar LLC today or go to PortableSolarLLC.com to check out their patent-pending technology.
17: to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417.
14: Hi, this is Ron Paul, former congressman and Republican presidential candidate. I love these summer months because this is when I get to enjoy the fresh fruits and vegetables that are being harvested on small farms and in our backyards. We all look forward to garden tomatoes and corn on the cob. Don't you wish there was a better way to preserve their true tastes and flavors? I'm here to tell you that there is a better way. It's by using the amazing home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. I have a Harvest Right freeze dryer and use it to preserve the foods I love. Strawberries, apples, and even lasagna and ice cream can stay fresh for 25 years. And the best part of my freeze drying is my family and I have a supply of long-lasting food on hand. So no matter what may come, we feel better prepared. We love our freeze dryer. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-923-9591. That's harvestright.com or 800-923-9591.
15: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg.
2: So, Bob Levitas, I'm going to ask you a very serious question here. Someday, and I don't know if you'll still be alive apple will no longer make Macs. maybe if that were to happen what happens to the name dr mac
21: nothing happened to it it's still my middle name it was uh the name of my first book and uh it's you know even in the 90s back in the days when uh, apple was referred to in with phrases like beleaguered and well, they still are yeah, they're beleaguered. They've, they've got uh, more cash than most countries. Come on, they're not beleaguered. They haven't had a hit in a while. But that's not the same as beleaguered like going out of business.
2: Well, it depends what you define as a hit. I mean, they say the Amazon Echo is a hit, but they sell more Apple Watches.
21: Well, the Apple Watch is a hit. It's the best-selling piece of wearable technology. I like mine. I might buy another one when the, you know, like new ones come along. Do you have the series one or the series 2? I have the series 1, and so uh a new one is probably in the cards for me in the future, maybe this year even. I'm I'm of the opinion though that the series 2 didn't bring anything to the party that I had to have. I don't swim with my watch. That was the big thing, I think. So I'll wait for the next one or maybe even the one after that. This one broke and I took it to the Apple store. And uh, even though it was out of warranty, it was on some kind of service thing for swollen battery. And they fixed it free or I think I might have gotten a new watch. But in any event,
2: I am uh, sure you got a new watch. I can't see how Apple would fix that in the field.
21: I don't know, but they take you know, they took it away and then it came back in a in a plain, you know, plain box. I didn't mark it, so I don't know if it was mine or not.
2: I would be willing to bet in low figures that very low figures like twenty five cents, which is all I can afford, that you got a refurbished watch.
21: I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't my the one that I sent back, but it looked just like it and it's warranted again, I guess for ninety more days, and it works. So I'm a, I'm kind of the opinion that I don't know what they would add to the third rendition of the watch that would make me want to jettison a working watch. I mean, I use my watch all the time. The only problem I have with it, and this might be something they fix, is that when I use it a lot, when I'm like not in the office, if I'm out, by five or six o'clock, I'm out of battery. So that's kind of a, a bummer. I can't depend on it to stay charged till, you know, late at night. My iPhone 7 Plus actually has enough battery to last me through almost any day.
2: You know, I did learn something through various and sundry experiences and knowledge that if you're an iPhone user, I assume an Android user would have the same problem. If you do any of this ride sharing with Uber or Lyft, the constant running of turn-by-turn directions. Navigation is going to kill the battery very fast.
21: Absolutely. I always tell people that's the the number one thing to do is don't use navigation stuff unless you need it. And don't use location stuff. If you've got an app that that pings for location regularly, that's going to drain your battery a lot faster than if you tell that app to only do it while it's open.
2: Right. But the key is here is if you're doing one of those things, You got to keep it open all the time because you're waiting for somebody to.
21: With Uber, yes. But with like turn by turn directions, if you say, don't let maps use my uh, location unless I open it. If it's on your screen, it should be using your, your location. But if it's closed and you're not really using it, it is still pinging to know where you are unless you tell it not to. All those pings eat up your battery. They're one of the probably worst culprits. In fact, if you can get away with it, it's smart to put your phone in airplane mode when you don't need to do stuff. Like if you're walking around with it in your pocket for a couple hours in in Manhattan and you don't need directions and you don't need to wait for a phone call or anything, put it in airplane mode and save all your battery because your battery will last
2: three days in in airplane mode. Well, you see, that's the trade-off for having a battery that's barely adequate now someday that's got to be changed
21: i saw a tweet from uh, somebody at mac observer asking would you be happy with a thicker iphone that had a longer battery life and the answer for me is hell yeah i'm already carrying something way too big to fit in my pocket i put it in my pocket anyway but it's too big so you don't mind
2: being a wee bit thicker
21: I would trade a wee bit thicker for uh, the ability to make it until midnight every night without having to recharge sometime in the middle. But I've, I've already designed my life around the fact that my iPhone needs to be charged during the day sometime or it won't make it to the night. So when I'm in my car, I can charge it. When I'm at my desk, I can charge it. Even when I'm running around, I have a, a 20,000 milliamp battery in my backpack so I can charge it You know, while I'm on the run. I guess I could buy myself another watch charger, and then I could charge the watch when it runs down, but that's kind of a pain. The watch charger isn't as unobtrusive as a lightning cable.
2: Well, hopefully, eventually, this will be dealt with. This too shall pass. Well,
21: yeah, they'll invent better battery technology than lithium-ion. They'll have lithium chromedium or something. or Lithium-promethium! I don't know. But you know they'll invent something better. Of course Maybe not in our lifetime Because you and I are kind of old, Gene Hate to break it to you
2: Well, I'm not actually here This is my clone <laughs> I went a long time ago I think I'm still alive But who knows I could just be a construct for all I know Well, you're an avatar There's might... somebody asleep in a pod That thinks he's Bob Levitas <laughs> Wait, that's the wrong show Then again, we're going to have alternative realities here right now. We have alternative news. We have fake news. So why not fake realities? Alternative news. Alternative facts we have. That too.
21: Alternative facts.
2: That's right. Alternative facts meaning the moon is made of green cheese.
21: No, but the Apollo landing was shot in a, a, a hangar in Nevada.
2: Actually, no, 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 no. It was in Brooklyn. Oh, okay, Brooklyn.
21: Wait, at at Oprah's Studios?
2: (laughs) Well, they film a lot of things in Brooklyn. I mean, they have this show now called The Americans. It's in its next-to-last season where they go to the 1980s and show two spies living as Americans with a family, the nuclear family of two kids, and coping and trying to do their work and killing people and stuff. That shows Washington, D.C., Right? It's filmed in Brooklyn, New York. Well, of course,
21: because Brooklyn can stand in for a lot of places. Brooklyn's got a lot of... Uh, my wife grew up in Brooklyn, so I spent some time there. It's got a lot of different looks. A where in Brooklyn where did your you wife are? grow up? She grew up in King's, King's Beach, which is, I don't know, halfway down, halfway down Brooklyn.
2: Never been there.
21: Kings it's Beach. very it's a very nice neighborhood and uh she uh had quite a happy childhood and teenage you know until she went to college she lived in Brooklyn she said it was always very safe because the mafia lived in her neighborhood
2: I thought sounds that was more like Bay Ridge or something
21: Not too far from Bay Ridge
2: not too far well, that explains a lot of things there. But, of course, things got worse after she left. But seriously speaking, let's look at some things that are happening here. So we okay. have now an iPad Pro that benchmarks very close to the speed of a MacBook Pro. For half the price. <laughs> Should Intel feel embarrassed? Um.
21: Well... I don't know what kind of processors are in Android tablets. <laughs> Whoever makes those should be embarrassed. If it's not, it's probably not Intel. But yeah, I guess Intel should be embarrassed that Apple Apple's home homegrown chips are are higher performance than you know the line of chips Intel's
2: been developing for seven hundred years. We've yeah. got more to come with Bob Levitis. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Alive.
7: You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Not true. Actually, you are what you can absorb. So if the vitamins and supplements you now take are not being absorbed, what good are they? Introducing Protovite, proprietary liquid system that allows premium quality nutrients to positively affect the blood in an astonishing five minutes. Watch our amazing two-minute live blood cell video at TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Then call 502-410-3411. Protovite is nutrition you can feel. Protovite is nutrition that gets in.
19: Hi, Peter Vicaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com. And if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE
15: You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg.
2: So it's something like 1972 or thereabouts when the first Intel microprocessor chip came out. It's 2017 the core families and its seventh generation, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then Apple starts releasing products with their A-series chips based on ARM designs in 2010. Okay? 2010, mm-hmm. the A4, right? Mm-hmm. So now they're up to the A10X, and they'll be an A11 probably this fall. Right. Already, the A10X Fusion is coming really, really close. The graphics can be close or not close depending, but we're getting something here equivalent to a high end notebook in a tablet. Yeah. Okay. I'm waiting for your response. I think that- Apple is not going to switch to its processors for Macs. It says so.
21: No, that would be silly. They tried that once. Don't you remember PowerPC? It was a big flop. They adopted PowerPC for themselves. I mean. Well, PowerPC
2: was just another generation of their. Well, it was yeah, just another generation. They had the 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 Motorola chips and they had the PowerPC. Then they went to Intel. I understand that. The question is, does Apple now say goodbye Intel and go to their own chips? As a practical matter, it's possible. It's probably already been done. In their well, test like, labs. We know that. Already. I
21: was gonna say I was gonna say, you know that they had it running on Intel chips in the nineties, Mac OS. Of course. You know, like System seven was running on Intel chips at one point in the lab only. But you know, Apple Apple saw the writing on the wall a long time before they pulled the trigger and went to the Intel processors. And so I wouldn't doubt that there is a version of Mac OS at Apple Park somewhere or maybe uh, at the old Apple campus in Cupertino. But somewhere I would be willing to bet uh, there is a version of iOS or of of Mac OS running on one of those A-something chips. I'd be willing to bet medium money, like a buck,
2: two bucks. Well, you know, I can't make that bet. I agree with you. Apple is always going to look for alternatives. On the other hand, I think it's fairly clear here that Apple is going to stick with Intel unless things really get bad. And I think Apple has probably been a wake-up call here.
21: Wouldn't you like to see Apple use those new uh, AMD chips?
2: The Ryzen? I don't know that they're necessarily that much better. Well, no, but Intel. they could
21: lower the price so that that would enable them to, like, maybe, I don't know if there's a portable line or a low-power line, but, like, that could enable them to make the MacBook Air even more affordable and last – because I love the form factor of the MacBook Air, and I'm afraid that even though they did do a little speed bump just recently, I'm afraid that form factor isn't that long for the world. But if they had a cheaper processor and could still sell one for, like, $899, it would be a monster everybody would want one as their second mac maybe
2: not everyone but yeah but you know apple's have that option for a number of years also i think intel gives them a special price if they say amd's got this chip and you know we're thinking of moving over intel is charging them a lot less than you pay if you go buy a single chip at new or something <laughs> that's apple's true paying a special price To get that special, the special Tim Cook bargain deal. Oh, yeah. This is going to be such a deal. You shouldn't know from it. It's a it's a supply chain thing. Whatever. The point being here, that's not an issue. The issue is if Intel and their processor roadmap slows down. Now, the latest generation of Intel chips is showing a pretty decent performance boost compared to last year's. Oh, really? Well, the one I read here is in the low double digits, improvements for single core and multiple core for the MacBook Pro compared to the late 2016 and the mid-2017 models. That's a lot more than you normally get. Normally, this speed bump would be a few percentage points. So mm-hmm. that's showing here that Intel is doing something. Obviously, they realize what Apple could do, and they're moving on.
21: Well, we'll see, won't huge... we? And Apple does have a lot of very smart chip designers. I mean, I think if Apple uh, had the desire to move Mac OS to their own chip, to their own chip design, and there's, there's a lot of good reasons to do it, and now I think they have the uh, experience in chip design to you know, feel confident that they can make chips that will do what they need, it could happen. I mean, there's no reason, uh, other than the fact that you can run boot camp, there's no reason we have to stay on Intel. You know, Unix runs on pretty much any kind of processor. I mean, it can be adapted to run on almost any processor. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Apple wanted to take this in-house. They could do things, and, and you know, remember, Apple's kind of famous for, uh, we... we. Um, We own the whole widget, you know, we build the whole thing from tip to tip to tail. That's always been a a competitive advantage for the Mac is that Apple controls everything about it. And if they made their own processors, they'd control even more, which would enable them, perhaps, to do things that you won't see Windows machines doing. For the reason of, you know, Windows hardware and software aren't made by the same people, usually. Hardly hardly ever are they, whereas, you know, Apple always has owned the whole widget, and I think that might be uh, the incentive to switch to the, you know, Mac running on a processor other than Intel. On the other hand, that would probably mean the end of uh, boot camp. Not that I would care, but I think there are people who would.
2: I think that and a number of other factors keep Apple from doing it. And as long as Intel is showing a reasonable performance boost every year, it's not going to happen. Remember, Apple knows what Intel's doing years and years down the pike. It may even be possible here that Apple is helping Intel a little bit because they have chip experts now.
21: Well, they certainly do. Considering they've got a tablet that outperforms many MacBook Pros. Yeah, I'd say so.
2: But you have to also realize something, too. And that is... You see, with the, you have to realize too, with Intel, it's got a lot of legacy support it has to provide because you have a variety, thousands of different PC configurations. Apple can optimize with their A-series chips just the need of their operating systems and hardware. They don't have to do anything else. So because they don't have the overhead, they can do lots of stuff.
21: So that that to me sounds like an argument for why the Mac might run on uh, Apple Apple branded processor someday. Sounds to me like you're making the argument for it.
2: I'm making something I haven't figured out what yet.
21: <laughs> well, I think it's certainly in the realm of possible. you know wouldn't wouldn't surprise me. And I think Apple could probably do some stuff. And remember, the next thing is augmented virtual reality or augmented and virtual reality. And that stuff, I think, uh, you know, Apple could probably create some advantages by having a processor that did some of the things that you need to do that are currently... Unavailable to Apple, to Mac users, pretty much. Uh, I guess the new machines with uh, High Sierra are going to be able to use outboard graphics processing, which means maybe, you know, they'll step into that world. But if Apple was making the A series or whatever they'd call it, the M series chip, no, they already have M. Those are the motion coprocessors. Anyway, whatever they call it, uh, you know, it could be optimized for augmented reality on Apple devices. And it could have some of the things that you need to... Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not chip designer. I don't even know if you can do that. But it seems to me that if you could, Apple would want to. And, um, you know, they've got a big investment in making all of their stuff work really well on their own processors. Maybe, you know, who knows? I don't think anybody except people at Apple know what the what the pitfalls and and and, uh advantages are of doing it but i bet they know and if it's a net gain thing i'll do it
2: well they're already doing a little bit of it for certain functions and we'll get into that in a moment i mean arm on a mac there's already arm on certain macs did you know that certainly if the Vitus knows more to come on the tech night now live
16: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's
19: R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Love or loathe him, Donald J. Trump is our 45th president. There is no denying now that Trump will go down in history, both despised and admired. Commemorate Trump's presidency with your very own Trump Silver Bust from TrumpSilverStatue.com. This museum-quality heirloom Trump Silver Statue bust is hand-cast from 20 troy ounces of silver, a great investment. From TrumpSilverStatue.com. Loathed or loved, own a valuable piece of Trump's legacy. Get your solid silver Trump bust today at TrumpSilverStatue.com.
2: Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. So we have the touch bar. Yeah, I was going to
21: say that's like a little iOS device inside a Mac.
2: Right with kind of a system on a chip kind of similar to the Apple Watch and a little operating system similar to the Apple Watch, which is running the touch bar. There are rumors that other low-level functions may move that way. It gives Apple a unique level of control, but it also takes the load off the primary Intel chip, meaning it has less to do, therefore may run more efficiently, may have better battery life. And they're also able to do things that nobody in Windows land can do. Such as? I don't mean to put you
21: on the spot or anything, but...
2: Well, just sharing these two processors. It's not that... They have used ARM processors. Microsoft tried putting Windows RT, but they can't do what Apple does because Apple's designing its own silicon.
21: Speaking of which, do you watch Silicon Valley, the TV show on HBO? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm very sad that Ehrlich will be leaving after this season. You of all people would love it because it's, it's uh, you know, really all about the people you know and love in, in the Valley.
2: I have no idea great. what you're talking about.
21: It's a great show. It's called Silicon Valley by Mike Judge. Remember him? King of the Hill?
2: No. No? All
21: right. Well, he's just a brilliant comedic mind, and it's in its fourth season, I think. It's about a startup in Silicon Valley called Pied Piper. It's just great. Fabulous stuff. And one of the greatest characters is retiring at the end of the season. Sad, but I guess them are the breaks.
2: As you say, I have no idea what you're talking about.
21: Well, your listeners do. Those who have HBO and follow the series, it's uh, one of the funniest shows on TV these days. Almost worth getting HBO for, just just for that. Almost.
2: I want to look at something else. Okay. okay. All right. So, I don't know whether this even makes any sense to you, but let's take a look here at some of Apple's new stuff and where it's going. I have complained, as have many people, that <laughs> such gear as the iPad lacks sufficient number of productivity features you're with me so far yes okay you mean and like that a there file are system? things you mean
21: like, wait you mean like a file system or multitasking that
2: isn't stupid is that what you're talking about i'm just not sure of course okay the things good. that we know about access to the file system
21: That's one. That's a big one. Uh, That's fixed in iOS 11, supposedly. Or at least somewhat fixed.
2: Okay. So already we're seeing fascinating stuff.
21: Well, yeah. But isn't it about time? I mean, come on. Having a device where you don't know where your files are? They're there. They're on the device somewhere, but you can't just go find one and open it. God forbid you should be able to do that. You're just the user. <laughs> but it looks like you'll be able to. I haven't spent much time with it, but the new files app on the iPhone or iOS 11 looks like Dropbox. You know, or, or uh, I, and actually, it, it knows about Dropbox. So you can actually look for files there and open them with other apps more easily than you can today in the Dropbox app all right so you can kind of look at your file and go open this with and you can see what what apps will open it that's already a step in the right direction because I don't think you can do that now not easily some apps will let you
2: yes we need those apps that
21: let you well it should be system wide I mean it should be everywhere you should be able to open a text file with any app that knows what a text file is
2: that's right so okay. that's something but the key here is you're making the ipad do more productive things and the inspiration is the mac
21: drag and drop baby have you tried it on an ipad in ios 11
2: no i haven't i haven't installed it yet and one of the big reasons is that my wife uses the ipad and i don't want to stick her with something that's really buggy so i'll wait it, and, a while until things yeah, settle down it's
21: not it's not time yet i uh I can't remember. I was trying to do something. I think change my uh, desktop picture, and it just kept crashing every time I opened the uh, setting thing. So yeah, I would definitely not put it on any device that you need to use right now, especially this first release, which all of the and, and I've got a High Sierra running on one of my one of my Macs, and it's pretty flaky too. But it looks great. I mean, it it, it looks like. Uh, See, I have to write a book about this based on a book about Sierra. So I've been looking, you know, what's, what's really changed. And lucky for me this year, most of the changes are under the hood. There's not very much that looks different or works differently. Um, just a lot of stuff has matured some. And I think, uh, like the Photos app, I think will we'll gain a bunch of new stuff. And there's a new file system which you know, I haven't really had any time to play with, but for the most part, it's felt like the old file system, only a little faster, I think.
2: Now, on the iPhone, the new file system was installed with 10.3. Right. Nobody noticed, unless no. you measured things and maybe it starts faster, maybe it doesn't, but nobody noticed which is good because this is a pretty major change of file system yes. now yes. it's going to be a little more complicated doing it on high sierra largely because of the fact that there are so many variations in systems and anything
21: well i put it on a macbook air a 2000 what 13 macbook air and it was it was painless. i mean uh, if if you didn't tell me it was running a new file system, I would never know. There's no indication of it other than maybe a little bit of fasterness, you know, a little bit of speed, but I don't even know about that. But certainly nothing looks or feels different. It just uh, will work better and should uh, you know, should work better with those folders that take a long time to open currently. you know, I've got a couple folders with like ten thousand images in them. My Mac uh, struggles sometimes with those folders. I think stuff like that's going to be improved by the new file system. But uh, the good news is, you know, I put it on a machine that, you know, had lots of old cruft on it and uh, no ill effect. So, so far, so good.
2: Or so with good the so file far. System.
21: Yes. Uh-huh. I just said excuse me because I coughed.
2: Oh, okay. Anyway, so the new file system, we already did something on that, so I'm not going to bring it up again. The Good, point because- is here is that for most people, you will never notice it. The thing about, I want to get back to the iPad, though, because this is the conundrum that Apple has. They wanted it to be a productive device. And up to now, the multitasking wasn't up to it. Now we're going to have files, which will expose the file system, stuff from the Mac, drag and drop, all that stuff. And then you look at the way it's set up right now. So you set up an iPad Pro with a smart keyboard. And it's an adequate keyboard, barely. It doesn't really have a good feel. I've tried it. And now you think here, you want to do input device stuff, you touch the screen, which is, of course, what... Apple says doesn't work very well. So you'd like to have like a trackpad on the bottom, but Apple doesn't offer it. Other third-party keyboards offer kind of a trackpad situation for an iPad. So what this means is you essentially have the equivalent of a notebook computer with a trackpad and all the other goodies that you can attach to an iPad. So you can avoid the touch screen when you're sitting they're typing. And supposedly, if the proper support is there, use a trackpad like a regular notebook. So you convert it to a notebook computer. It's not this hybrid, this awkward hybrid. And what I'd like to see Apple do here, and I have a design idea, and I don't know whether it works in practice, is you have a smart keyboard with a little slide-out. You pull out the slide-out, and there's your touchpad. We've got more to come with Bob Vitas. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> Neighbors, I want to tell you about my favorite graphics app. It's the award-winning Graphic Converter. You know, Graphic Converter is the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. It's also far less expensive than that other app that you can only get by subscription. You know, the one I'm talking about. What's more, you can get 20% off with your order right now. So write this down to learn about Graphic Converter. Go to www.lemkeysoft.de/gene. Let me spell that www.lemkesoft.de
17: slash gene.
15: Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust the Tax Defense Group. They're the most trusted name in tax. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. Ignoring the IRS is not the solution. They can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank accounts, seize your home or business. But the Tax Defense Group could put a stop to all of that and tailor a program that would reduce your tax debt to pennies on the dollar. you got to love that. So don't just take my word for it. Call them find out for yourself they offer a 100 percent satisfaction guarantee and they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either
4: call now for your free and confidential tax analysis from the most trusted name in tax call 800-361-6907 800-361-6907
22: this is
6: holly thomas group vice president of cause marketing for macy's Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org.
2: So is my idea for the special slide smart out, keyboard.
21: Slide out trackpad. I kind of like it. Have you got a patent on it yet? Nah, I don't have the money for a patent. Who does? Well, what do you think of the $5,000 iMac
2: Pro? We talked about it in the previous segment.
21: Good. What do you think? It's okay.
2: Mm.
21: I hear it's a good value. Yeah, you know, I heard if you you know wanted to recreate that as a PC, it would cost you the same or more, and of course it wouldn't work as well. But I don't know that much about it. I mean, I don't do any rendering or whatever it is that they need all those all those uh, GPU cycles for. I wonder if that would make though, because I do a lot of video editing. I'm I'm working on a like 10 hour course, so I'm shooting and editing a ton of video, and Compiling it, actually rendering the final output takes a long time, even with compressor running on two machines. I'm wondering if maybe that'll be a lot faster on that new iMac Pro when it comes out. I would imagine it's optimized for compressor and things like that, so it might be, uh, you know, if if I can cut my uh, render times in half, that would mean I could work half as hard. Or work half as long.
2: What I'd like to see is support for an app like Audio Hijack on an iPad, on iOS. I don't think that that sandboxing allows it now because you're talking here about an app that could capture audio from other sources, several, Mm -hmm. not just one. So I'm capturing audio now from Skype and also capturing audio from an outboard mic mixer. So I'm capturing from two sources into a third place, okay? Two sources, one destination. If they could do that on iOS, and I think it just requires Apple allowing certain things to happen that developers can take advantage of, I think there would be a better way to record in the field productions like this.
21: Oh, absolutely. Have you seen Podcaster Pro from Adam Curry, who lives in Austin, I found out? Have you seen it? It's a little box for Mac that basically lets you do exactly what you're talking about. Have multiple inputs, XLR, mix different inputs, uh, let your guests listen without hearing themselves in their ear, things like that. All the things you need if you're going to produce a radio show or a podcast on a Mac that require you to string together currently you know, products from four manufacturers and uh, a bunch of adapters and things like that. So he's got this one box that's got everything in it. It's got the limiters and the compressors and equalization, preamps, all in one USB device. That's small. It's it's uh, it's a uh, one of those Kickstarter things right now. So they're I don't think they really exist yet. But the thing is, something like that that's a USB device could easily work with an iPad if Apple. You know, if the operating system would let let it, which I don't think it does currently, but a box like that that connected through your lightning connector is the thing. You need a breakout box. And that's the, you know, somebody's already invented one that's going to go to USB on your Mac. It's not not difficult to think that, you know, oh, well, if we just figured out how to use that with lightning, you could turn the iPad into one heck of a field acquisition tool for audio.
2: I can't wait. I think it's going to happen. I think that it's a question of Apple finding the right direction. Clearly, they realize it needs to be a productivity tool. It's not just for people to sit there and watch Netflix because you don't need a new iPad for that. And you're certainly not going to spend $650 plus for one either. So they're trying to revive the platform. That takes us to the Mac again. So the iMac Pro, $5,000. I've heard estimates of a fully decked out version being as high as 17000 which is about the purchase price of a brand new entry-level model of a Hyundai Elantra compact car. On the other hand, Adam Inc. seems to feel it's going to be like twelve, thirteen thousand dollars $13,000 fully decked out. I'm making no guesses. What about you?
21: Well, I think you could probably spend $13,000, uh, Assuming that you're going to deck it out with, you know, 128 gigabytes of RAM, which at today's prices is probably the price of a Hyundai. And uh, who knows, you know, four external GPUs. Because, you know, you can have Thunderbolt external GPUs. You can just keep stacking them up. You could spend $10,000 just on GPUs, I think. I don't know that there's a limit. Because you can daisy-chain all that lightning stuff, and it's got, what, 40 40 gigabits per second? So, I don't know. You could spend a heck of a lot of money, but the thing is, who's going to spend that money? People who are producing stuff that makes money. Because you're not going to spend that kind of money for your home Mac or, you know, because you like making movies or you want to run Photoshop a little faster for fun so that you can add mustaches or take people's teeth away. No, the people that are going to buy that are going to be people who develop virtual reality. They're going to be coders that compile that need more horsepower. They're going to be game developers and uh, VR headset content creators. So there's a need for, you know, that kind of horsepower. But I don't think you or me or Adam Angst need it.
2: Well, I think that we can go perfectly fine on the 27-inch iMac, the regular one, fully decked out. In fact, for up to four cores, that 27-inch iMac with the most powerful processor will be faster than the iMac Pro. It's only when you do the multi-core stuff that you can take advantage or need more memory or something.
23: Well,
21: I always want more memory, but I can never afford it this machine's got 16, and I wish it had 32, because a lot of times when I'm editing video and, and rendering and compiling stuff, uh, I'm using all of it. I'm using all eight cores and all of memory. And it would be nice to have a little power and reserve, so to speak. I'm, I'm thinking if I keep doing video like I'm doing right now, I'm going to need a more powerful computer pretty soon, because I'm sitting and waiting for stuff to complete. You know, like go take an hour break while you wait for that to compile so you can upload it. I mean, yeah, I can do something else, but it requires changing my work style. And I shouldn't have to do that for my computer. My computer should do that for me.
2: You tell that computer that. Tell the computer right now. Go ahead.
21: No, because if I say, hey, you know who, everybody's phone out there in Radioland will wake up. You know what I like to do when I do user group meetings? I like to get up on stage and say into the microphone, Hey Siri, you hear her go ding here? Erase my iPhone. There's no need for that, she said.
2: Actually, what it's going to say is, I'm sorry, Dave, but I can't I'm do afraid that. I can't do that, right. But then your name's not Dave, so it's going to be screwed up. We got more to come with Bob Levitis right here with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live.
22: BuySellMakeOffer.com is better than ever. I'm Pat Matthews, here to tell you that BuySellMakeOffer.com, the revolutionary site for buying and selling anything and everything, just up the ante. Go right now to BuySellMakeOffer.com and click the Sign Me Up button. When you do, you'll get the first month free, and then it's just $9.95 a month to be a member forever. And you don't need a credit card for the initial setup. Create your own store on the site and sell whatever you want, as long as it's legal, however you want, and sell an unlimited number of items. Create your own intro video to describe what your store is all about. Use Skype to see who you're buying from or selling to. Sell unused household items, as well as antiques, cars, televisions, collectibles, real estate. The possibilities are unlimited. Use social networks to promote your store right from our site. Remember, there are never any fees, no matter how much you sell. Become a member today. I'm a member. Get all your friends to sign up, too. This could become a great business for you. Sell whatever you want for the first 30 days, free, at buysellmakeoffer.com.
13: Peace of mind is easy. There's no medical exam. You'll have lifetime coverage. And your plan can't be canceled as long as you pay your premiums. Call now for free information about our senior plans. Answer a few simple questions and receive approval right on the phone. Plus, call right now, and we'll give you a discount prescription card for free. Call 800-557-0158. That's 800-557-0158. Again, 800-557-0158.
14: Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the mineral doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. <laughs> Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Kiss your credit card debt goodbye.
20: I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and myself want to show you how to achieve financial peace, creating an extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message.
15: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
2: Speaking of things in Siri, right, let's talk about Siri.
21: Do you know that you can tell Siri to call you whenever you want? So just say hey, you know who, please call me your royal highness from now on. And she will, or he will. I I have a she, she's my, I like the British Siri. I I like her voice. So I have a British Siri and she calls me your majesty or your highness. I can't remember one or the other. She used to call me Dr. Mac, but that's just too simple.
2: Well, that's a simple answer to a complex question. (laughs) <laughs> there you go right right
21: so are you running high sierra on any macs yet
2: no okay i will but i'll probably make a separate partition and run a separate drive or something
21: that's what i that's what i did well i'm running it on uh, my macbook air which is my like spare mac my my screenshot machine my staging machine exactly what else did Apple announce? I was on. I was out of town when during the developer conference, so I kind of I missed the excitement this year. I didn't get to watch the keynote. I haven't watched uh, John um, Gruber's talk show yet. Uh, I, I'm really behind. I was out of town the whole while well, the whole thing occurred. So while well, I've read up on it, and I kind of you know I know about the new iPad, and I knew about the, the iMac Pro and stuff like that. Anything else that was sig- significant? Since I've got you on the phone
2: and you're an expert. What about HomePod?
21: Oh, yeah. HomePod. Well, we'll have to see about that. You know, I've got a you-know-who with the A, not Siri, not Siri, but the A word. I guess she's called an Amazon Echo. But I've got her and I've got the smaller one in the kitchen and we like them a lot but they're not $349 and so far because they're not great speakers I haven't used them a lot for music I, I use them for lots of other stuff like they, they're good at turning on the lights and turning off the lights and uh, playing Jeopardy and you know things like that what's the temperature things like that where I, I know I could also ask Siri but being able to just yell it from the den and have the lights go on and off, whether my iPhone is around or not, is kind of cool. So, yeah, I, I'm interested, but since I've already got, you know, between Hey Siri on my phone, oops, sorry, babe, cancel that. Okay, thanks. <laughs> but between, between that on my phone and my iPads and the uh, Amazon devices around here, I've got plenty of things I can talk to and get stuff to happen. So, you know, I hope Apple, and again, this is one of those opportunities for Apple to not be the first, but to do it better. But we'll have to see, you know, it's going to be December before we get to touch them and listen to them.
2: Well, thing is here, the advantage supposedly with the HomePod is that they're speakers. So the others are basically digital assistants that just happen to have a speaker, so to speak, from no. Amazon and Google. They just happen right. to have a speaker. This,
21: this is, is a speaker that just happens to have an assistant. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. I have to say though, the Amazon thing with the way that it works, where you have to enable the uh enable activities in the app before they work. And you know, it's it's pretty awkward the way it's Configured, I don't think a lot of people uh, will get a lot of use out of it because it's kind of complicated. You know, you can't like play Jeopardy until you enable the Jeopardy, whatever they call it, Jeopardy skill. I think they call them skills. But, you know, I I think uh, when it comes to user interface, human interface, Apple usually does a good job. And if they can make their speaker do more and do it better than the Echo, well, then even at that price point, it'll sell.
2: Remember that Apple is not selling the same product. No, I know. You know, it's I like know. comparing, for example, compare- while it was still being made, compare an Apple Watch to a Pebble.
21: Yes, but you know that when the time comes, people are going to say, so, how much is the Google thing? How much is the Amazon thing? And how much is the Apple thing? Even if they're not apples to apples, they're all speakers that listen and and do stuff when you talk to them. And so, whether one is like you know high fidelity and the other is uh, got eleven microphones so it can understand you from three rooms away, uh, it's all going to shake out. But I, I think no matter what, those three right now are going to be. That's going to be what you're choosing among. You know, I don't think a lot of people are going to buy an Echo and an uh, HomePod a year from now when you can get one or the other. I don't think there's there. Uh, maybe I don't know. I guess if you if you're a huge Amazon user, I've never bought anything from Amazon through my speakers because that kind of scares me. That's like. Ordering blind, you know, it's like I can't see it on my screen before I say, okay. I'm not sure. uh, I'm not sure I'm going to go for that. Well, you know, they do have a version with a screen. Amazon Who does. Yeah, Amazon does. Yeah. And Apple's not going to have a screen, but maybe the next one will. Yeah, but Apple is not designed for that. How do you know? (laughs) Have you used it yet? Well, it's not what they're telling us. Well, I know, but they've they've been known to throw a head fake every now and then. come on, Ah,
2: that's the new feature. It's called the Apple Head Fake. <laughs> the Apple Head Fake. All right, so now let's just get back to the Mac for one more thing. I'm not gonna go into more predictions about the next Mac pro because I think it's gonna be boring. We're just gonna cover old ground, okay. What about the Macs that they didn't talk about? The Pro? They talked about the, the real Pro? Pro? The t- real Pro.
21: Oh the oh the mini.
2: The mini, me.
21: The mini. I think the mini might be, well, you know, here's the thing. The mini I think is a good business for them. I think, you know, that enables them to uh build a low-cost entry level thing. I think co- the Colo guys and the Data warehousing guys and stuff like that love them because they're small and cheap and, you know, you can stack them up. And I don't know. I think uh, there's a case for them. I don't know. They haven't been shown a lot of love lately.
2: Is that a case or a mental case? Uh, I think it's a business case. I think there's a business case there because Apple implies they like it, that some pros use it. So there are things going on. I don't mean using the Mac Mini as a server in a data center because you can do that. I mean, there are companies that will allow you to host your sites on Mac Minis. Right. And they run reasonably well, but I wouldn't recommend it for high energy use because these things, how hot can they run? It's just a tiny little box with no fan. Right. Now, Apple has already done great things supposedly with the iMac Pro where they've taken the same box as the regular iMac and with some internal modifications, they turned it into a workstation. I would think that the small Mac Mini, Apple can do things to boost its thermal capacity somehow and run more powerful parts in it to give it more options so you still have the 499 option entry level but maybe a few other things or a few things that are other we'll see won't we yes we will shall we well mostly we'll see do you think they're going to discontinue it i don't know well you know what let's leave it sit there we've got more to come with bob Levitas, sometimes known as dr mac even after they stop making macs I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Live.
9: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
2: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same.
7: If you had purchased $100 of Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have $2,600,000. While that sinks in, you now have a huge cryptocurrency opportunity trading at a guaranteed $0.07 per coin. ProCoin, a coin publicly traded in the open market, easily converted to cash, available in 60 countries. And ProCoin is the only cryptocurrency offering coin-back rewards for consumers and merchants. Take action by June 30th at ProCoinCurrency.net. That's ProCoinCurrency.net. Deadline for $0.07 guarantee is June 30th be prepared for the next disaster with the shelter pod the shelter pod is a large all-season heavy duty quick deploy shelter. The shelter pod system can be set up in 30 seconds and includes an emergency medical kit, water filter, survival tools, and more. Are you prepared to take care of your family? Do you have everything in one place ready to go? Get it now or enter to win a complete shelter pod system at shelterpod.com the shelterpod at shelterpod.com shelter when you need it most.
19: If you're a
6: sleep apnea sufferer who's on the go, go to your phone. Because if you give us a call right now, you'll be able to try the world's first portable mini CPAP device absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP, an engineering marvel that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Its unique design is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. No more dragging around a big, bulky CPAP. Even better, now you can try Transcend absolutely risk-free for 10 restful nights by calling miniCPAP.com, 1-800-441-9833. Transcend is FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. You can also add a battery pack that's as tiny as a deck of cards. So now you can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere. But don't wait. To receive your 10-night in-home trial, call minicpap.com now. 1-800-441-9833. That's 1-800-441-9833.
12: you're listening to the tech night owl
15: live with gene steinberg you never know what's going to happen next
2: so that question if apple stops making macs there will still be a dr mac Apple's is not going to stop making Macs. Do you see the iPad becoming the personal computer for the rest of us, ultimately? It's not there
20: yet.
21: I don't know. A lot of people, I think, that would have never thought about a Mac 10 years ago are buying Macs today. Uh, And some of them are running Windows on them pretty regularly. I mean, that's like part of what they get them for. So, I don't know. I think it's turned into kind of a people's mac the imac the people's mac and in fact if you think back the first imac looked like a volkswagen beetle didn't it
2: yeah actually did that's interesting
21: the volks imac
2: or the imac volk
21: for plain volks ha 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 plain old volks what else yes i'm out of stuff
2: you're not out. So let me ask you here.
21: Oh, hey, talk about let's talk about my book and,
2: and stuff. We've done that already in the past, but you can know. bring it up a little bit.
21: Well, you know, I'm always doing these productivity things because productivity is my hot button now. And uh, so, Working Smarter for Mac Users is now, as of yesterday, available in, in printed version. You can order a printed copy. I'm not sure where yet, but it's going into distribution today. And while I don't recommend the pr- printed version, uh, you can order the ebook at WorkingSmarterformacusers.com, and it's uh, only 1999. it comes with a money-back guarantee. And I guarantee you you will save hours every week if you put this stuff into practice.
2: Just do it. Is that an order?
21: No. No.
2: But I'd like it if you ordered a copy.. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. So what do we learn from this product, this book?
21: There's three different aspects of being productive. The first is doing the things you do on your Mac better, faster, or more elegantly. The second is overcoming procrastination, learning how not to go down the rabbit hole when you have work to do. And the third is learning to plan and use your time efficiently. So the book is equal parts there's three parts to the book, and each one focuses on one of those areas of productivity. And at the end of the day, every page of the book will show you something that will help you do something better, faster, or more elegantly, or get more work done in less time. That's the whole goal of the book. And you know, if it doesn't do that, I'll give your money back. But so far, I have not issued a refund, I'm proud to say. You've sold seven books right now, right? Hundreds of copies sold, no refunds. That's correct.
2: That's good. Yes. Yes. That's that's excellent. Yes. Or that's good and excellent.
21: Hundreds of copies sold.
2: Or millions.
21: Coming soon? Working smarter for Mac users? The course. Of
2: course. Is that like saying a horse is a horse, of course, of course? But no one can talk to a horse, of course. Oh, please, I don't want to get back to 1960s shows. We're still mourning the passing of Batman.
21: Yes. Adam West. Mayor West. He was Mayor West. Yeah, I heard recently. about that.
2: But did you realize Mayor- here, and this might be, you know, a fact that nobody cares about, that... The guy who plays the young Bruce Wayne right now, guy who um, plays Gotham? the young Bruce Wayne on Gotham, mm-hmm. he was born on the same day as Batman was born. Batman or? or... Oh, Bruce Wayne, of course. So there are several birthdays for Batman or Bruce Wayne. One is February 19th. And David Mazous, who plays the young Bruce Wayne, he's now, what, 16, 17 years old. He was born on February 19th. Not that they picked him for that reason. He's a pretty decent actor. (laughs) Yeah, he's a very good actor. I love that show, Gotham. Right. Now, just to show you how things work in synchronicity, my friend. Yes. There's a little guy, redheaded guy that you probably have met named Grayson Steinberg. Currently lives in Madrid, Spain. But his secret is he was born on February 19th. Yes, and he is also Batman. That's right. He's a shorter Batman. He's short Batman. Not to be confused with Lego Batman. Right. He's, forget it. But look, he's mm-hmm. he's about the same height as, as Tom Cruise, or an inch smaller. And Tom Cruise went pretty far for such a small guy. Yes.
21: Standing on milk cartons,
2: milk crates. Well, isn't that what Captain Kirk did? He was also like five, six, five, seven. Well,
21: for him, they would make his uh, whoever was starring with him stand in a hole. That's how William Shatner did it, right? You never, you never saw their feet when they were talking to, to Kirk, because they were standing in a hole.
2: The thing about Captain Kirk, though, of course, is. Some people felt that just because of his attitude. William Shatner, he tended to be, as they say, a self-absorbed guy and didn't look around at the people he worked with. He even had his disputes with Leonard Nimoy, although they later became friends. And I think George Takei, or Takei, it's George Takei, Mr. Sulu, never forgave him. But you don't care about that have you seen wonder think, woman not yet
21: my whole family has seen it and i have not but they all loved it so i will see it soon
2: i think if we are going to see any movie this year it's one i want to see obviously i, like I know amazons. kind of the ending I'm a big already fan of amazon pardon
21: i'm a big fan of amazons they're my favorite kind of women
2: well this one is a nice jewish girl from israel
21: i know and so all of the amazons have israeli accents isn't that cool
2: yeah, well, kind of, sort of. That's interesting. Now, imagine if they all spoke in Hebrew.
21: <laughs> that would be very funny, but I don't think the movie would do as well.
2: No, they can have the Hebrew version, though, for Israel.
21: Yeah. But, you well, know, sure I want to be fair. serious about Wasn't this. was Miss Israel? She was like Miss uh, USA Israel or something, Miss
2: Israel. She was Miss Israel. Yeah, so the movie, of course, will do well there. Hey, we got to go here. I don't know where we're going to go after this show, but we're going to go somewhere. Bob Levitis, tell our listeners if they want to know more of what you do, how do they find out? What's
21: the oh, secret? Oh, the secret combination is www.workingsmarterformacusers.com. And that's F-O-R, Working Smarter for Mac Users.
2: You can find us on Twitter, ladies and gentlemen. Look for Tech Night Owl. Look for Tech Night Owl on Twitter. And word about my various and century soap opera lifestyle, where things get really crazy. Check me out, Tech Night Out. Also check out Gene Steinberg on Facebook, the guy with the plaid shirt. Also reporting all sorts of weird problems. If he's wearing the plaid shirt, it's got to be me. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And we're going to be talking with two more of the authors of a book called UFOs Reframing the Debate where they try to find a new way of dealing with that subject. And that's over at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. And the best way for you to support this show, the Tech Night Owl Live, is to become a member of Tech Night Owl Plus. Here's all you have to do to find out more. Go to plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S.technightowl.com. We give you simple sign-up instructions. Just follow them. We charge you as little as $1.49 a week, our price cheap. And, of course, we have monthly, annual, five-year lifetime subscription plans. Remember, that show has been on the air. This show has been on the air since 2002, 15 years. So long-term subscriptions are welcome because we'll be here for a while. And we're one of the most popular weekend radio shows at the GCN Network. Plus.technightout.com. Bob Levitis, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having
21: me, Gene.
8: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation
4: of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad
11: time, same bad channel.